It's great to hear those word warriors, isn't it? Where's the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5. Please turn to Matthew 5. I'm going to be reading from 14, 15, and 16. Matthew 5, verse 14. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14, 15, and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You may be seated. Sermon on the Mount. Y'all nailed that one. That's good. When I don't know, I just yell out, it's in the Bible. What a, what a incredible blessing that we enjoy as Christians, the fellowship we enjoy, uh, the connection we have with God, the blessing of sharing our lives together. Days like today and really weekends like we've had this weekend, uh, when we see parents who are working with their children and teaching their children and raising them to uh, to know and to love and to serve Jesus Christ as Lord. That is, you know, I can't tell you that I always think that Ty Hale is very funny, but that double dipper thing this morning was hilarious. <laughs> and you don't you don't see that very often anymore. Where one of these young men goes down, makes the good confession, is baptized comes out of the water, another young man goes down, makes a good confession, is baptized. Just fantastic and and so encouraging. The world needs the light that is in your life. I, I want you to take that to heart. The world needs the light that is in your life. Uh, Craig, there's a whole lot on that outline I'm going to skip. Let's just go to the question. Do you, do you know why you're here? Instead of heaven. Well, we saw something fantastic. We saw a new birth. We saw two young men born again. Whatever they were. When they went down into the water this morning. They were something entirely different when they came up. They were new in Christ. And they're never going to be more saved than, than they were in that moment when they came up out of that water. If those boys live to be 65, 75, 85 years old, they're never going to be more saved than they were this morning when they put on Christ in baptism. So why does God leave us here? Why, why doesn't He just take us Right out of the baptistry, straight to heaven. Because the world needs the light that comes from your Christian life. That's why. Because part of the will of God is that every person who belongs to Him will also shine for Him. We've already read it, but I want you to see it again. You're the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I don't know who you think that's talking about. But if you're a Christian, it's talking about you. I think we make some big mistakes when we look at other people and we're so impressed with their godly lives and and that that guy's a light to the world or that woman is a light to the world but surely he's not talking about me you know it's good in ministry to have a wife that is wise and gives you good advice because i said i wanted i want to do an illustration and she said that'd be a bad idea um when i was playing basketball in Middleburg High School. And, and I, we, th- we need to bring this back to the NBA because nobody in the NBA fouls. You all know that, right? He almost decapitated that guy, but when the whistle blows, he's like, me? Are you crazy? I never touched him. Well, there was, there was a student section when somebody fouled one of our guys. The whole student section would stand up and they would yell, you, 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 yeah, you, buddy. I loved it. And I told Tony, wouldn't that be great for my sermon if I, if I worked with the youth group? And I had them, and she said, that'd be a terrible idea. Don't do that. Do not do that. So I explained it instead. But I, I, I wanted to say that so that you have this sense tonight when, when you go home, he's not talking about somebody else. He's talking about you. Well, I'm just a young Christian. He's talking about you. Well, I'm so, you know, I'm so much older now. I can't do all the things I used to do. He's talking about you. Well, I don't know as much as, as I think I need to. He's talking about you. Well, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So many of these people around me, their grandparents and their parents and their brothers and their sister. I mean, everybody in their family has, has known the gospel all these years. Listen, he's talking about you. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. You're supposed to live your life in a way that people see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. As we think about that tonight, I want you to think about some of the basic qualities of light that, number one, light illuminates. In verse 15, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. That doesn't make any sense. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. The most basic function of light is to dispel darkness, to illuminate any space that it enters. And the figurative language that Jesus uses here in this passage tells us something about the world and it tells us something about Christians. The world is in darkness. And Christians are the light of this world. And if you're listening tonight, what Jesus wants from all of us, He wants us to light this world up. He doesn't want us to be you know, the people that are walking around complaining about the darkness, how dark it is, how bad the darkness is. He wants us to go into dark places. And He wants us to illuminate, illuminate those places. 
by sharing our good example and by sharing the saving gospel that he's given to us. It's what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Would you leave it right there for me a second? Can you go back to that for me just a second? I just want you to look at that. Every year when I do my daily Bible reading, anytime I get to Matthew, when I get to that passage, I just love that passage. Jesus went to dark places. He, He went to people who were dwelling in darkness. And when he showed up, those people saw a great light. He went to places that are described, a region that is the shadow of death. And when Jesus came, light dawned on those people. You're supposed to be that kind of person. I think, you know, we started out talking about what a great weekend it's been and I think about Luke and uh, Colby and, and Jalen. And you think that's just for the people who are in here? How silly would it be if we all had flashlights and we're all flashing our flashlights and, and all and the, the whole room's all lit up? This little light of mine, well, we're surrounded by light. Light is needed in dark places. The the light of Christ that radiates from your life isn't just supposed to be enjoyed and celebrated around other people who have the light of Christ radiating from their lives. So that we can all meet together and talk about how thankful we are for the light of Christ. We're supposed to go and use our influence out there in the darkness where it's needed. Light illuminates. You say, well, that's obvious. I know it's obvious, but, but there's, there's an important point here. So many folks need illumination. They need their eyes open. They need their minds open. They need their hearts opened to the possibility of a better way of living. That's what light does. Light exposes And light reveals. When we moved here, we settled in in Westlake. And when when the kids were all a lot younger, one of the things I like to do is just take a walk through the neighborhood. It's probably good for me to get out and take a walk, but I I did it because I like that time undistracted to just talk with the kids. I run with Callie. Now, that's a great time to listen because I can't talk at all when I'm running. What I do when we run together is I do a lot of, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And sometimes I just put my hand up. Like, I can't even listen right now. But, but those walks were great, and, and we would just spend time together. But I noticed 
when we would take a walk, if it got dark, we didn't notice it in the daytime, but when it got dark, there was a house that had a motion detector. And whenever we walked by that house, set off that motion detector and the porch light would come on. You know, listen, somebody's going to sneak up to your house with bad intentions and that motion detector and the light comes on and listen, that's a deterrent. I I would think most people who want to rob your house would like to work under the cover of darkness. They'd like to not be seen. Light exposes, light reveals. John 3, 19 through 21 This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. What a a powerful example of what Jesus did and how Jesus lived. And one of the reasons that people hated the light that that came not just from the life of Christ but from his from his teaching is that when he when he did illuminate their lives when he did bring light into dark places it revealed the evil things that were being done in dark places and they and they hated him that and we have to understand that when we live lives that radiate the life of the light of Christ not everybody's going to appreciate that not everybody is going to like that influence that comes from your life and Jesus warned us about that in John 15 and verse 20 he said no servant is greater than his master if they persecuted me they will persecute you also if they obey my teaching uh, they'll obey yours also I, I think the reason jesus said that is because he knew he, he knew that there would be those you know the end of that is very positive that they obey my teaching they'll obey yours he knew that there there would be days like today when there would be young men that that hear and believe and obey and he knew there would be positive responses honest and good hearts But he also knew that there would be people that didn't just resist the truth of the gospel. They would resent it as well. And they would would hate those who brought the light of God's good news to their lives. Because when that light comes and it exposes what's being done, there are some people that don't want to come out of the dark. They don't want to come into the light. They don't want to change. I think most of us know that lights uh, guide. I don't really know enough about airplanes to to know about the navigation and all all of the technology that they probably have now. But I'll just tell you, I've been in an airplane at at night. I've flown into Oklahoma City late at night. And I kind of like seeing the lights on either side of the runway. That pleases me. I don't know that I'd like to risk that. And just kind of, let's just fly this thing by feel. How will we know when we're down? Well, when we hit the ground. I mean, that's kind of terrifying, isn't it? 
light shows the way. Those, those, those lights, I can't imagine how bright they really are, but you see them from you see them up there. You're in the night sky. I don't know how, how high up we are, but you can see the way clearly marked out. Those lights are guiding you to a safe landing. In John 1, verses 6 through 9, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And then we're told, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. The, the sun, that just is, we got visited by the sunrise. I mean, isn't that great? The, the whole light of the world came to us, and He's guiding our feet in the way of peace. Don't you, don't you appreciate the fact that Christ, in the light of His life, guides you and shows you how to live? That He's an example that we can, that we can follow, and we know that if we stay, if we, if we match Him, you know, step for step, It'll lead us exactly where we want to go. The world needs guiding lights. People who know the way to the heart of God. People people who can show others. You know something that just really encouraged me last week? I I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity to, to meet the Nichols family, but... Uh, their two youngest sons, Gabe and Stephen, have been have been studying. And uh, Gabe, you know, was was baptized. What was it? A week and a half ago. And visiting with him about a week after his baptism. Jer- Jeremy and I had had lunch with Gabe and Stephen, and and I said, you know, just this first week, what what are you thinking? What's on your mind? You're now you're a Christian less than a week. I don't know what I expected him to say, but uh, I, I'm not sure that I expected a 16-year-old who is a brand new Christian to say, I'm glad you asked me that question. I was wondering if you would help me so that I could teach my friend what you taught me. And I thought, you know, there are people who have been in the kingdom longer than that young man has been alive who have never tried to guide someone else into a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ I thought that was so encouraging that so early in his relationship with God that one of the first concerns of his heart is that he wanted to lead somebody who was a close friend of his so that, so that friend could experience the, the same joy he just experienced in becoming a child of God. Light conquers, light overpowers. Have you ever had some kind of electronic device in your house and during the day, you never notice the light. 
I, I can think of several things. One, in our bedroom, the, the ironing board is, is sitting uh, off to the, to the left side of the bed there. The iron is on top. It's always plugged in. I've, I never notice that light during the day. But when I roll over that way, and, that li- and, and it's such a little light, how could it be that bright? My favorite is, I, I, I don't know if it was when I went to college or right after Tani and I got married, uh, my, my parents gave me their old VCR. Explain to kids later what a VCR is. I didn't, you won't be surprised when I tell you I didn't know how to set the clock on the VCR. And when you didn't know how to set the clock on the VCR, it, it just blinked 12 o'clock all the time. It was 12 o'clock all day long blinking. And all day long you never noticed it. But when you went to bed and you turned the lights off, that little 12 o'clock was about as irritating a you know, I preached this before, and somebody said, well, why didn't you just tape something over? Because I'm not that smart. I'd rather be irritated by it than resolve the issue, I guess. Here's the thing I want you to understand, and I think most of you already know this. It doesn't take that much light to overpower darkness. Darkness doesn't vanquish Light. Light conquers darkness. We're on the winning team. We we have God not just on our side, God with us, God in us, God for us. How could we ever possibly lose? John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Light will always overcome darkness. I want to do some things as we, as we conclude. If you'll bring up this quote, and you've seen this a lot. I know that you've seen this a lot. I've used it a lot. Oz Guinness wrote a book called The Gravedigger Files. This quote is in that book. The main problem with American Christians is not that they are not where they should be, but, but that they're not what they should be right where they are. Doctors, housewives, lawyers, computer analysts, teachers, or nurses. If you bring up that next slide, it's hard to see. Uh, the picture wasn't a great picture. The sign wasn't a great sign. But that's the Baptist Church in Henderson, Tennessee, and that is... That's my brother's picture on the Baptist church in Henderson, Tennessee, after he passed away. Mr. Lewis um, is basically thanking him and saying, rest in peace. I, I wish I could show you the video that was on the news the week after he died. One of his students said, Mr. Lewis was so much more than a teacher. (laughs) The principal said, I counted over 25 jobs Mr. Lewis was doing when he died. 25 different jobs, different ways that he was serving all over the school. The person who was actually uh, reporting said, students knew him not only as a teacher, but as a friend. Co-workers said he impacted not only them and the students, but the community as a whole. 
the end of the interview, the principal said he made everyone feel like they were important. He made them feel like they were going to be successful, that they could get the job done. There are a lot of times when I preach, and you'll hear us as a staff, and I know the elders feel strongly about growth through involvement. And I think that's important. I, I, don't, I don't think you grow by not, by not exercising your faith. You can try it, but it's not going to work. The mistake I've made is a lot of times I've thought in terms of local church ministry. Growth through involvement. You've got to get involved in, in some organized ministry in the local church. Something that happened, I think a lesson I learned from my brother's life and when I went to his funeral. You need to shine for God where you are. M- ministry does not, it does take place, but it's not limited to what happens inside the walls of this building. Some of the most influential ministry that that you can be involved in won't happen here. It's going to be the way that you live your life, the way that you help other people and serve other people where you live. My brother Mike and I came back from from the funeral and we were just so over we were just so amazed by that. That how many people in the community knew our brother Jeff. That my mom and dad, after the funeral, went to a restaurant and somebody walked up as they were paying and said, That's Mr. Lewis's mom and dad. They're not paying today. How did all those people know him? Jesus said, you don't light a lamp and then put it under a bushel. You put it on a stand and it will light up the whole house. Shine for Him where you are. I hope you'll try that this week. If you are a person who is drawn to the light, you've been in darkness, and you want to come out of darkness, and you want to walk in the light of Jesus Christ, He always wants you to come to Him. And we invite you to do that tonight as we stand and sing.